Friends is an entertainment phenomenon, and though some hate the show and believe it's overrated, they are outnumbered four to one easily against those who love the show. The 80s and 90s were loaded with some of the greatest network TV comedies in history. Friends debuted in 1994, and although Friends and ER are the best of the bunch who debuted in 1994, the lineup for television in 1994 held some pretty top heavyweights. Network TV was running Roseanne, Seinfeld, Home Improvement, Murder, She Wrote, Mad About You, Frasier, Murphy Brown, Full House, Wings, Law and Order. The list goes on. At the time, shows on network TV were coming and going as often as trains were leaving and coming from Central Station. A TV show survival rate was pretty low on a network like NBC, which had established itself as the TV king in the mid-90s. NBC was strong, and by 1995, it was going to become superhuman. But it was going to have to come on the heels of a new comedy called Friends. This episode isn't about all that stuff fans know. We're not here to break down the complicated back and forth of Ross and Rachel's relationship. We're not going to talk about our favorite moments on the show. We're not going to talk about the funniest moments on the show. We're not going to talk about behind-the-scenes rumors and innuendos. You fans know all of that, and that's not what this show is about. Strap in, guys, and hang on, because we're going to dig into why Friends is still a pop culture phenomenon 17 years after it ends. Stay tuned, guys. It's 21 years. I'm your host, Sam El Dangeroso, master of the Gooniverse, and we're into season two. Generation Xers. You're listening now to season two of the 21 Years Podcast. Very proud to say that. We've had a good time. I think we did 10 episodes earlier on. And we go through them, we learn, we rewrite things, we change how we're going to do stuff. And we're going to try to change how we've done the podcast going forward from here. Which means I'm not going to read like a robot. Because a lot of stuff that we did was, you know, research, learning things, blah, 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 and then I come out and I fire off and read exactly what my notes say. Um, and I think it takes a little bit of the personal touch away from it. So we're going to try to do a little bit more of a real live podcast for you guys going forward and just kind of record it, errors and mistakes included, and uh, just going to try to enjoy it with you guys. And hopefully you like the new more emotional, uh, more in touch me. Hopefully I'm allowed to touch your soul in these episodes going forward. But we got some really cool stuff that's coming up and I cannot wait to release these new episodes. We're kind of growing. I wish you guys share us a little bit more. I really appreciate it. I got some loyal people and I'm so thankful for you. Um, So thanks for doing that and please tell other people about us. It really does matter. 
If you've got any ideas of how we can advertise or you want us to advertise for you or whatnot, let us know. Send an email, samwill2261 at gmail.com. That is my actual email. Please don't make me feel like I have to change it. I'm asking you to be kind of respectful when you write it. Probably making a mistake by sending my personal email out there. But you know what? I love you guys and, you know, I want to stay in touch. So if you got ideas or things that you want to kind of do um, or want me to do, uh, it's a great opportunity for that to happen. So please do that. Uh, we need a lot of ideas for season two. I've got a lot in the oven cooking. In fact, we're recording a lot of these before the release so that when season two happens, boom, you've got a couple of episodes going. We know we need more content. We're going to do that. Season one was about, I think, 10 or 11 episodes. That's about what we're going to try to do for each season. And there is going to be no like, oh, well, we go from this month to that month and this month to that month. I don't do any of that. We just say, hey, we're going to do 10 episodes and then we're going to take a little bit of a break so we don't get burnt out. Then we're going to come back and do 10 more episodes and take a break and not get burned out. So we are now in season two. Uh, one thing I want to remind you guys, if you're a Facebook person, go to uh, 21 Years on Facebook and join up, follow. We put a lot of the episodes there. All the episodes actually go there. Uh, we have some discussions. We post some really old commercials from the 80s and 90s and you know movie trailers and stuff like that. It's a lot of fun. So just join up. It'll get more active as we get going and we start growing. So I would appreciate you going and being a part of that because I really want to grow this community of 80s and 90s fans. Look, we just went through 80s nostalgia, right? We just I think we're still kind of in the middle of it. A lot of the Generation Xers and some of the Millennials are really interested in 80s stuff. So we're having an 80s renaissance, but we're also having a 90s renaissance. I think that's coming over the bend. I can see it over the horizon that we're going to go through a couple of years of 90s um, nostalgia and revisiting that pop culture. So tonight's one of those 90s episodes, really. Now, if you're new to 21 years or you've been listening to 21 years for a long time, Every 21 years episode is a story behind the story, meaning that I can go on Wikipedia, I can tell you everything that Wikipedia says and just write it all back down for you and then just say it in my pleasant, wonderful Southern style voice and you'll just eat it up as if I'm the most brilliant person on the planet. And I'm not going to name names, but we know podcasts that do that and that go on for two hours and that's what they do. That's not what I do. What I do is I try to find something that's relevant between 1980 and 2001. And I find something within that that is really special. And it can be a, a weird story you didn't know. I mean, when we did the John DeLorean's background story in his life uh, for the Back to the Future one. Um, we did how Prince uh, was in bankruptcy until Batman uh, 1989 came along and how that saved his career and saved his financial state. So we, we always try to find something really kind of cool that you're not going to hear everywhere. And we try to keep the episode short. We try to keep them under 45 minutes. We want it to be where you drive to work and you listen to an episode and you can almost finish it or finish it on your way to work or your way home. And, you know, you kind of want more when it's done. It's not burned out. So a lot of episodes are not going to be super, super long. They're to the point. They're quick. Uh, we like to tell a story behind the story. And tonight, in this episode, is about the pop culture phenomenon, the TV show Friends. And how, after 17 years at the end of the last episode, fans are still in awe and love, bonded, 
in in every way connected to this show. It's just an interesting idea that one show seems to be able to linger on forever. And it was interesting to to kind of dive into that, dissect friends, find out why it was and is that people are addicted to it in such a way that they can't let it go. So we could probably call this like maybe like an investigative case. You know, I have two huge friends fanatics in my life. I've got a lot of them, but two huge ones. My wife, of course, is a huge friends fan. We're going to talk about that. And one of my best friends is a huge Friends fan, Adam, who is also, uh, Adam Cribbs is also the hugest, biggest, largest Karate Kid fan on the planet. I have talked to him. We are going to do an interview and sit down and talk about Karate Kid, probably one, two, and three, uh, and have a really good time with that. So stay tuned for that. You know, I'm just surrounded by Friends fans, and you probably are too, or you are one. So let me just set it up this way and how this ever got started. The reason why I can talk about friends is because my wife and I met. And when we met, one of the discussions that came up was, you know, things that we love, shows that we love, music that we love, movies we love, whatnot. And uh, the conversation was basically kind of like, you know, my wife saying, you know, are you a Friends fan? And I'm like, not really. I can't say that I've ever really watched it. Is it still on? And her response was uh, amazement, you know, really? No, it's, it's not still on. I wish it was, but we should sit down and watch it sometime. I, it's my favorite show. I said, watch Friends. You know, okay, I guess, but I remember that show from high school. Is it even really funny anymore? Well, it's been off for several years, but it's still my favorite show. And I kind of respond with something like, well, that kind of seems weird, to be honest, but okay, we can watch it. And honestly, that's where it all started. At the time, Friends wasn't streaming anywhere. Streaming wasn't even really a thing back then. I mean, it was a thing, kind of, but it's like no one really understood it quite yet. Nobody knew how to harness the power of streaming. So at that time, there was only a few ways to watch an old TV show. And imagine my amazement of this beautiful, wonderful woman that I love to death today, um, that I was falling in love with at the time bringing out a huge amount of DVDs because she had every season ever done by friends in a box. And back then, that was one of the only ways, as you guys remember, to be able to watch a complete season of something. We didn't have streaming, so of course, she would have every episode, a box set, and a DVD. And we sat down to spend an entire evening watching her favorite show. And I got to say, I wasn't thrilled at first. But, you know, we did laugh. I mean, I genuinely thought it was very clever when we watched it. I liked all the characters, and I thought the writing was pretty brilliant. Uh, I laughed pretty hard on cue, and when we were done with a few episodes, my wife, then girlfriend, looked at me and said, I'm so jealous you get to laugh at all this for the first time. We all have those shows and those moments. Maybe it's ER or Supernatural for you. Maybe it's The Office, or maybe it is Friends. But we all have that moment when we bring someone into our inner circle. We invite them in to love everything we hold dear, and we hope that they get it. It's kind of that moment we let our ego rest and admit, this silly, stupid thing is what I love, and I want you to love it too. 
We hope that they understand, that they become invested, and that they get our inside jokes, and they think that they are as funny as we did thinking them up. Now, after several years of marriage and two children, there's not a day that probably goes by without some friend's reference between us that we laugh about. So after years and years of marriage, my wife and I just celebrated our anniversary. And when the friend's experience was coming to Atlanta, I kind of knew it would be the perfect gift for her. For those who probably don't know what that is, it's a walkthrough replica of everything that's friends. Their apartment replica, iconic scenes, some memorabilia. And I got to be honest, like I'm not a super fan. I could have skipped the whole thing without any problem. But my wife, this was kind of her Super Bowl. I won't ruin it for you if you plan to go, but I didn't think really much of it. I thought it was okay, but it was packed and it was packed with happy people. I didn't get why they were so happy again. I thought it was okay. But everyone was beyond happy. Everyone was smiling. They were trying to get the photo ops to get pictures. They were laughing and absorbing the moment. In the world of 2021, it was nice to see people happy. No politics, no arguments. No one said the word COVID. No one caused a scene. No anxiety or frustration. Just extremely happy people who for like 30 minutes were wrapped up in something that made them blissfully thrilled. My wife was in her element, and uh, I gotta say, everyone was lost in the world of friends, no matter how mediocre an outsider thought it really was. To them, it didn't matter, and it caused me to realize, I don't really see this happening for other TV shows. Why is this one so special? Why, after 17 years of being off the air, does Friends demand such a strong place in pop culture history? Why is the bond of Friends stronger than the bond of, like, Seinfeld or The Office? Sure, we discuss reunions of those cast, and one day maybe it'll happen, but for now we kind of shrug it off. But mention a reunion to Friends fans, and they instantly get hit with a bolt of lightning over the subject. The two greatest things that can happen in my wife's life are Friends reunion and a journey reunion with Steve Perry. If those two things ever happen, I think her head might explode and her heart might just jump out of her chest. That's how big a Friends reunion discussion is to her. If it's even brought up, it's a fantasy and a lot of dreamed up scenarios of how it could happen. It's some serious stuff to a Friends fan. The internet, magazines that you see at the grocery store when you're checking out, all have commented and made statements about a Friends reunion. And it's obviously something that people very, very much hold dear. So the thing is, was Friends really funnier than any other show? To me personally, I think The Office was genuinely much funnier, mainly because it had no laugh track. And when you laugh at The Office, it's because you found something sincerely funny to you. And because there's no laugh track, you find something different that's funny every time you watch it. And I'm not really a Seinfeld person, but many argue it's funnier than anything ever on television. I don't know if you poll all of America and give them the top 50 shows over the last 25 years, if Friends, Seinfeld, or The Office is an overwhelming face-melting winner, I think it would be pretty even, and they would definitely be up there, but I'm not sure that one just dominates all the rest. I say that because of hands down, most everyone thought Friends was the funniest show ever. The love for it 17 years later would probably make a lot more sense, but that really isn't the case. 
17 years later and fans still haven't gotten enough. 17 years later, they're still making a fortune. People paying to go to an exhibit of theirs to smile. Saying it was worth every single penny they ever spent. Yet, overall, Friends maybe isn't the funniest show to the majority. And all the shows within its category don't share this type of bond with its fans. So why is Friends so special? Well, I've been thinking about it. And one thing we have to look at is the makeup of the show. We have six attractive people, three males and three females. And in the beginning, there are people who are just starting out in their adult life, right? They have careers. They are vastly different in pay scale and responsibilities. Yet they are going through the same struggles of figuring life out. This show's about friend family. And within that friend family is Monica and Ross, who are related brother and sister. But they make up the core. Monica is connected to Phoebe and Rachel. Monica was best friends with Rachel in high school, but lost touch in college. Phoebe was Monica's first adult roommate. On the reverse, Ross was best friends with Chandler in college, and Joey was Chandler's first adult roommate. Together, they all have interwoven storylines and relationships, but outside the core of Ross and Monica is a family of friends. The bond of a family of friends is a lot deeper than a blood family. All of the characters come from different backgrounds, but they all come with their own trauma as well. Rachel's father was wealthy and overbearing. Monica fell out of place in an, as an overweight daughter. Ross was a nerd. Chandler's father was a crossdresser, and Phoebe was homeless after her mother committed suicide. Joey himself dealt with learning that his parents had an unspoken open marriage, and his father dated another woman for years. The timing of the show in 1994 was key as well. If you look at all the popular shows of 1994, none of them were dealing with serious social issues. Sure, I mean, uh, I guess there was always a sporadic episode on homelessness or AIDS awareness in the day, but for the most part, things were great in the mid-90s for everyone. And if you were in your 20s, it was even better. The show is still nostalgic because people remember it for the great times they had in their personal lives. The music was like more gin blossoms. And grunge had kind of died with Kurt Cobain in 1994. And it's the beginning of the effort age of Generation X, where we didn't really have to feel guilty anymore. We can enjoy pop music like Backstreet Boys and wear clothes from Old Navy. And friends and their characters reflected every bit of where we want it to be when we got into our 20s. Let's face it, we all kind of wanted the big apartment. We wanted to live in the city. We wanted nice clothes. We wanted friends that were next door and closer to us than family. And in short, the makeup of the characters were flawed by their past traumas. They were all far from perfect, just like all of us. They were attractive and fun to look at, and that helped too. Then there was this environment of the city, becoming your own person, finding a family of friends, and enjoying the beginning of adulthood. Being able to go someplace and get your own dinner with friends, or being able to take public transportation somewhere. It was a big deal when you were... 1920 to be watching this show or even younger and imagining what life would be like when you got there. Friends was an unrealized dream of many generation Xers, to be honest with you. And after the seriousness of grunge rock the boat and the Gulf war, the internet was booming. Malls were still doing business and we were getting ready to become adults. 
Who better to model our lives after than six attractive people making their own way in a big city like New York? That's just during the show, Friends. 17 years later, we still feel that nostalgia when we watch it. We see Friends, and it's kind of a comfortable blanket. It's home for our 20s. It's what you envisioned for your late 20s. When fans watch it now, it's a reminder of a better time and a dream of what you wanted life to be like after you got out of college. I point this out because shows like Seinfeld didn't even really touch that category to me. I mean, Seinfeld can be used as a parallel, sure, but the cast wasn't personally relatable, in my opinion. The environment wasn't the focus, the story wasn't intertwined, and didn't define a time period. I mean, when I watch back, my dad now dresses like Jerry Seinfeld did back in 1994. It was more about events happening, and it was about creating a time in someone's life. Seinfeld could literally still be on today, and it would blend into the TV landscape kind of close to what The Simpsons is today. I don't say that to be insulting. I say that because if it were still on TV, people would expect it to just be on TV still. Friends was only going to be about friends in their 20s, and it was going to have to end in their 30s. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. If Friends goes any further, it's not the same show anymore. Friends is as funny as Seinfeld. It's as funny as The Office. So the writing does also play a huge part in the nostalgia of the show. I don't want to undervalue the writing. I think it is very brilliant, and I think it's some of the best comedy writing on the TV front. But we can't dissect the phenomenon of Friends without understanding relationships. In The Office, there was Jim and Pam. The audience knew Jim and Pam would end up together. The Office, just like Friends, uses the formula to center around that relationship, though neither is supported by the relationship alone. However, the story of Ross and Rachel was unique and different from Pam and Jim, because like most real-world relationships, at this time in someone's life, it's very often on again. Friends is very unique because it's not only tempting the viewer with will they or won't they be together through the first few years, but also once they did get together, relationship was far from perfect. Their relationship, by many accounts, broke up somewhere between two and four times. That also means that they got together two or four times. This isn't common for comedic TV shows. I mean, if you think about it, it's quite, quite unique. And in The Office, for example, once Jim and Pam were together and they were like pretty perfect from that point on, even with Jim moving to work in another city and Pam going to art school, the times that they thought the other person was falling away... We would later kind of find out in the show that it actually strengthened their relationship. But this is not the case with Ross and Rachel. Ross was actually married one time during his off and on again with Rachel. So let's just be honest here. What show can really pull that off? What Friends did in aspect of the relationship with Ross and Rachel is recreate on numerous occasions that fans may or may not see Ross and Rachel reconcile and be together again. Fans were even treated with instances where both Ross and Rachel were out of love with each other at times. Then when they did get back together, things would somehow fall apart again. What this did was keep the audience guessing over the core storyline in Friends, creating a desire that never quite gets closure. They simply didn't get together and everything was fine. On the flip side, we see Phoebe have a very successful relationship with Mike with no issues. We even see Chandler and Monica have a relationship and marry with little relationship issues other than Chandler's insecurities sometimes. In the end, I think what brought the story to a close was two people who lied to themselves about how much they loved each other. 
It was a facade for both. Then Rachel is pregnant and they realize their love for each other because despite all the issues and their differences, they found one thing in common, their love for their child. Conceived by accident, but between two people who couldn't lie to each other at times and how much they needed to belong together. The relationship between all the characters and friends really builds the bond between the viewer. And there is an invested interest in what happens with everyone that's involved. So the inner relationship working of friends is a big part of the glue that keeps the fandom there throughout the seasons and throughout the next 17 years. Fans are emotionally invested in Monica and Chandler and Phoebe and Mike, as well as, and even more so, in Ross and Rachel. So that bond has already been set up by the on-again, off-again, and this idea that they should be together no matter what, and yet we see things happening that breaks them apart, and will they ever be together? Can they ever make it work? Then they do, and then, so you're very, very invested in this drama between the two of them. So that's a huge gluing point for why fans were so hooked on Friends uh, and why it was so popular. But does that answer why it's still the phenomenon glue for pop culture today? Finally, I want to hit on the most important aspect when dissecting why Friends is still popular 17 years later is how it really ends for people. Few shows really end while they're on top. Some would argue Seinfeld was on top and sure the ratings are there, but how long can a show about nothing remain popular? However, Seinfeld was enjoying its highest ratings in season 9 when it ended. It still took several years to reach the numbers that Friends was enjoying on a weekly basis. With the kind of numbers that Friends was actually doing, it's common for shows to keep going until the steam runs out. Look through the history of television. Shows almost inherently would run out of steam, run out of storylines, then add a baby into the mix. Yes, Friends did do that with Ross and Rachel, but it was actually needed to bring their story and the story of Friends to a close. It wasn't used as a prop to hold the show up. The baby was actually used as a means to bring the show to an end. No, the real reason why Friends is still a phenomenon 17 years later, and why there's still some crazy bond between the show and its fans, is simply that Friends is one of those rare shows written correctly, structured impeccably, and planned with an ending in mind. In that ending... All that we saw had now changed. The ending is bittersweet. The friends simply don't need each other anymore. Their friend family now comes second to their actual families. Monica and Chandler adopt children and move from the city to a place where they can raise them. Rachel gets off the plane in an iconic scene which brings her and Ross together as they start their life with their new baby. Phoebe marries Mike and moves on to start her life with him. And Joey is left to figure out his place in the world which brought about the spinoff show Joey, which didn't do so well. Joey was a great supporting character, and if you ask me, Ross is the best Friends character of the show. I often get dumb looks when I make that statement, but I just want to say that all of the best episodes involve Ross and a Ross storyline. Leather pants, teeth whitening, tanning, pivot, the moist maker in the sandwich, Red Ross, rugby, name them and you'll realize. Ross is the funniest friend of the entire show. And sometimes the brilliance of this show is the fact that no one really actually realizes that until they go back and really pay attention. But 
Joey was the best friend of the show, meaning that Joey was a great supporting character for the show. His character simply needs supporting characters to bounce off of for his comedy to work. The other issue with Joey was that it was going to go against a new show called American Idol. American Idol became a juggernaut in the world of television. And still today, it keeps pretty decent ratings. But back then, it was ratings gold. Um, And Joey being up against that was absolutely going to give him no chance to survive. So Joey doesn't really take off or do anything or become a successful spinoff of Friends. But in defense of the show, Joey, I really don't think that a Ross and Rachel spinoff or Monica and Chandler spinoff really would work either. It was just too different from what fans really loved, which was the actual Friends family that were there together to survive their everyday lives. When things end at their peak, it leaves a feeling that there was something more left on the table. The rumors of reunions one day plagued the fans of the show through rumors on the internet. When asked about it, Matt LeBlanc, who played Joey, said, No one wants to see the friends get old. I agree with this. The show begins to wind down as the friends enter their 30s. At the beginning, everyone is in their mid-20s, except for Phoebe, who was entering her 30th year, and in fact was closer to 40 by the end of the show. Friends is about that time in life after college, but before responsibilities. It stays in the pocket for about eight years perfectly. The last two years prepare you for changes that are coming through relationships, births, and adoptions. The episode called The One Where They Turn 30 is in 2001. The show would end in 2004. In reality, all the friends are around 33 to 36 years old when the friend show finally ends. There was simply no more to do. The stories were told. We lived with these people for... 10 years before it was all over and the series did an amazing job leaving their own loose ends. At the end of the friend's experience is a wall. The wall is a timeline. It shows all the characters as they go throughout the show's history and what happens. All the iconic moments of the show are there for each character in their moment. But at the end, we see the lines carry on into the future. Joey's line, of course, goes on alone by itself. Phoebe gets married and her line becomes one with Mike's as they get married and have two wedding rings as a symbol. As you follow Monica and Chandler's two lines, they become one with a symbol of two wedding rings at the end, symbolizing they were married. Rachel and Ross, it shows two lines together that never join and has no wedding rings. The line never seems to become one. I mean, we knew that, but wait, they didn't even really get married on the show. Did they ever get married at all? Did they break up? The line tells us nothing as those two lines end together at the end of the timeline separately. There's nothing more. My God, did Ross and Rachel ever get married? Then it hits you. The show left closure everywhere except where it mattered most, and that's why friends and their fans will forever be adrift and bonded in the wide open question of what happened. It is what makes Friends popular to this very day 17 years later. It's a phenomenon, it's funny, it's a time capsule, it's a classic, and it's home. And with all that, we still don't know what the future held for Ross and Rachel. At the end of the day, the phenomenon that is Friends is based on several different factors, not just one. It's based on great writing, lovable characters, people we can relate to, and people we want it to be like when we were young. This is what we looked at when we looked at older siblings that were successful. 
then Friends gave us this comfortable, nostalgic place to be in. And it's still there when you go back and watch it. As we said, the mid-90s is an amazing time. And to be young in the mid-90s was even better. So we're watching people who were young in the mid-90s living their dreams, living their life. And without their family, they're doing it with their friends. And it's a very unique thing. And as you go through there and you realize that Friends ends on top, its numbers at the end for the finale are like 52 million viewers. It's incredible. It goes out when people didn't want it to leave. And then it leaves no closure in places that it really mattered. That's such a rare thing for people to be able to do. And it also keeps people clinging to it. It's the nostalgia. It's the characters. It's the writing. It's everything. Friends is special. It's not as funny as some of the other shows, in your opinion, possibly, but it's a damn good show, and it has its place in television history, a place where fans can't let go of their favorite show. That's a very big thing to be a part of. It's a big statement for people who watch it. Friends is special, and so are you for listening to 21 Years. Listen, guys, I want to thank you so much for giving me some of your time. As I said, season two has now officially begun. You'll see more episodes coming out. It'll be a lot of fun. Don't forget to go to that Facebook page, 21 Years. Join up, kind of follow us. And again, send me suggestions. Always love it. If you join the Facebook page, you can always send a message there and uh, give me some ideas of what you would like to talk about. We try to do something movies. We try to do something music. We try to do something, you know, TV-wise or, you know, video games. You know, we're, we're going to get into so much stuff. Uh, this year in the second season. So be prepared. Get ready. It's going to be a fun time. Thanks, everybody, for listening. You're listening to 21 Years. I'm Sam El Dangeroso, Master of the Gooniverse. We'll see you next time on 21 Years. Mm-hmm.